We're moving, uh, we're transferring back to uh, God's story, our story. And uh, we, Pastor Adrian just completed the Equip to Lead. Um, wasn't that a great sermon last Sunday on the marriage? Um, Pastor Adrian and, and uh, Susie just being out here, being vulnerable, just leading us and how to do marriage together and uh, talking about how to work through all of that. Well, we're going to be talking today. Pastor Adrian asked if I would speak today, and he said, here's the title of the message, and here are a few passages you can choose from. And when I looked at the title, I thought, hmm, wonder what he's getting at. Because he's put uh, beaten and broken and blessed, that's us. And I'm thinking, is he referring to Nebraska football? That guy. And then he invites me to go with him to the Colorado game right after that. <laughs> but no, really, what uh, life is better, bigger than Nebraska football, amen? Amen, but we still pray. Still pray. All right. Well, we're going to talk about beaten, broken, and blessed this morning. A number of years ago, when I was a pastor of a small country church, um, we did a series uh, always right after Easter. It was called a 50-day spiritual adventure. So it was 50 days after Easter to the day of Pentecost. That we would do this um, sermon series. And within that sermon series, there were daily devotions for the, the uh, members of the church to do each day. And then we would uh, and answer some of those questions. And then they we would um, were challenged by uh, at the end of each day to come up with what we would we termed God sightings. What did where did you see God at work in your day today, as you finished the day? And it was always interesting each time that we did this because initially at the beginning of this 50-day journey that we would do together and we would bring everybody together and we'd say, well, where, do, where did you see God at work today, this week? And they would say, man, I don't know, every day I would sit down before and I'd write down, where did I see God at work today in my life? I had the hardest time coming up with a a sighting of where God was because I was so busy doing things. And as we developed and started journeying through this, it was interesting to see what would evolve in the, by the second, third week. All of a sudden, the stories became more exciting because all of a sudden, what we had determined it to be is that we had spiritual blind spots. We had incurred, had incurred spiritual blind spots in our lives. And actually, a blind spot is an area where a person's view is obstructed. Okay? You're not able to see clearly. And your view is obstructed, and you're not able to see. And we, we came to the conclusion that, that we got so busy with all the things, all the checkoff lists, all the things that we wanted to accomplish, all the stuff that was in our day and all the challenges that we were before us, that we were so focused on that what we never saw. Behind all of that, God working in our story, but we never took time to notice it. And by the time of the end of the 50-day spiritual adventure, 
I mean, when we got together, it was just like major excitement because they couldn't hardly wait to tell each other where they saw God in their story throughout the week. That's awesome. And I encourage you to really give that a, give that a challenge to yourself. Whether you uh, do that just journaling or whether you would just take a note card or whatever, but before your head hits a pillow at night, would you just take maybe 10, 15 minutes? For some of us that are slower thinkers, it may take a half hour because I just forgot what I did when I woke up in the morning. But you may take that time and be able to think about, where did I see God working through my life today? Because it changes your perspective. It changes your purpose. It changes your direction. You know, when you're, when you're first learning to drive a car, and I remember my parents were teaching me how to drive a car, and one of the major things that they would always tell you as you were driving a car and you're about ready to switch a lane, that make sure you check your what? Blind spot. Nudge the person next to you and say, check your blind spot. I'm, do it now. Nudge him. Okay? Check your blind spot. It's always important for us to check our blind spots. It's interesting that it's one of my first accident I had, and I don't know if I was 16 or 17, was because I didn't check my blind spot. I didn't check my blind spot. Do you think I checked my blind spot after that? You bet I did. You bet I did. You know, I, and then today I was thinking, I was driving one of these newer cars, and, and I kept noticing that there was this little light on the side mirrors that would would come on every once in a while as I'm driving down the road, and I would think, well, what's that all about? You know, I drive an old car. I don't know what, what this light is all about. Why does it keep coming on in the, in the side mirror? And I, as I started investigating, I found out that those were blind spot indicators, that there are sensors on your car as you're driving along, and then when a, a, a someone else would come into your blind spot, it would... It would the light would come on and indicating to you, hey, watch, there's something in your blind spot. And I got to thinking, wouldn't that be, I think, wouldn't that have been great if God would have just given me blind spot indicators? That in my marriage, that the minute I'm going to say something to my wife about what she's wearing, all of a sudden the light would go off and say, you better check your blind spot, you know. Check it before you say something because, you know, you're going to get in a major accident here. <laughs> you know, I think of that with my kids. I wonder if I would have had a spiritual blind or a blind spot indicator if maybe I could have saved some heartache of some comments that I made to my kids at times where I was caught up in the moment and I didn't really see the full picture of what they were going through, and I ended up saying something. And I had to go back, and I had to kind of work that through and ask for, for their forgiveness. I think of that in the times in, as a pastor where all of a sudden 
I would have this blind spot and I would, I would say something or I would come to a conclusion about something and I wish somehow there would have been a, a, a light that came on and it indicated to me, Brian, you better take a good look at this before you make a concluding statement about someone or something because it's going to save you a mess later down the road. You know, we're all broken, we're all beaten, and sometimes we have the blind spot of not seeing the blessing in the midst of our brokenness and beaten areas of our lives. We're going to talk about that in the Gospel of John, and I want to, I want to talk about this phrase here. This is what the whole message is going to be coming off of. It, it says, in our beaten state, in our broken place, we can miss seeing the blessed work of God on display because of blind spots in our lives. Blind spots in our lives. We're going to look at the Gospel of John, chapter 9. In the Gospel of John, chapter 9, we're going to look at the whole Gospel, but we're not going to uh, I'll look at the whole chapter, not the whole Gospel. Don't get panicked. We're going to look at chapter 9. But we're just going to look at the first seven verses. We're going to read the first seven verses and use those as kind of the groundwork for everything else we're going to talk about that follows throughout chapter 9. Because what happens in the first seven sets the stage of various individuals that had blind spots that happened to the man that was once blind but now he sees. And how you and I and every one of us can develop those blind spots. And we miss seeing God's blessing in the midst of brokenness. We miss seeing God's blessing in the midst of being beaten up in life. We have these blind spots that happen. So let's turn to uh, Gospel of John, chapter 9. It says, And as he went along, Jesus... As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. You might want to take, if you have a Bible, you might want to just underline that phrase right there. This happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. I've underlined that so that any time I hit a broken place in my life, any time I get beaten up by what my, my week has been like and my day has been like, and I wonder why God is allowing that to happen in my life, I could go to this place and I could remind myself that this may have happened so that the works of God might be displayed in my life. And as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. And while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And after saying this, Jesus does an interesting thing. He goes and he spits on the ground. And he made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told the blind man. Wash in the pool of Siloam, which the word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. 
It's an amazing story. And then we're going to watch from those verses on. We're going to look at how different characters throughout, the, throughout this whole chapter battled with blind spots in what God was doing in this man's life. Watch out for your blind spot. The first blind spot we want to talk about today is the blind spot of predetermined conclusions. Predetermined conclusions. Notice that Jesus and the disciples were walking along the way. In verse 1, it says, And Jesus saw a man blind from birth. Jesus saw a man blind from birth, but the disciples saw what? They saw a man that was blind, but they were more interested in why is he blind and what is to blame to why he is blind. Why has this happened to him? There must have been some kind of sin in the parents. So Jesus, could you clear this up for us? If this man was born blind, there must have been some sin that happened that God is punishing um, this man. So was it the parents that sinned or was it the man that sinned? And Jesus basically says this, guys, you best check your blind spots. Because you're not seeing things clearly. It's nothing like you see and have concluded. It's nothing about sin whatsoever. Have you ever done that for yourself when all of a sudden something happens in your life and maybe you, you get in the shaft on something and things aren't going quite your way and you're wondering, I wonder, God, why? Why me? Why am I having to go through this? Why is I'm having to deal with this difficulty? Why is this broken? Why, why everybody else seems to be doing okay? And we're always trying to figure out who we can blame and what's the why behind what we're dealing with. And in the midst of all that, God is saying what Jesus said, hey, I want you to know what really is the reason for this. It happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. You know, it's important to note that at this point, we just need to pause a little bit here before you come to the conclusion that, that God uh, inflicted blindness on the man so he could later heal him. That's not the case. We live in a broken world. We live in a fallen world. And, and there was no, no intent on God's part to, to put evil upon the man so that, that God could be glorified out of the purpose of it. But what it does mean is that in our broken world where things happen because of brokenness, Jesus says, I can enter into that and I can display the works of God in the midst of the brokenness and beaten part of your life. A God sighting might be seen in very difficult situations. And most of the time we don't see the God sightings when we are trying to figure out the whys or who's to blame and how come this happened. Because our eyes are in the wrong place. And we're not looking to God to show us. And so what, God, what Jesus does then is he goes and he does a unique thing he spits on the ground, and you know, this whole time the blind man's standing there listening to this conversation. I'm sure he's sitting there thinking, hey guys, I'm blind, but I can still hear. You know, it's kind of like, what are you doing? 
talking about me like this. I, I hear what you're saying. And, and, but, but the man doesn't say anything. We don't hear anything from the man for quite a while. Jesus spits in the ground. He puts some dirt in his hand, in the mud, and he moves it in his palm of his hand, and he takes, and he walks over to the man, and he places the mud on the man's eyes. And now not only is the man blind, but now the man has mud in his eyes. Isn't that the way it feels sometimes? Doesn't it feel sometimes that it's not enough this, but now this also? This one more thing? And Jesus says a very interesting thing to this blind man. He says to him, now I want you to go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Go and wash. But he doesn't tell him what's going to happen. He just tells him, I'm putting mud on your eyes. I want you to go to the pool of Siloam. And he doesn't heal him. He doesn't get his sight at that point. So he's got to go to the pool blind. Not only blind, but with mud in his eyes. Totally uncomfortable. Totally trying to figure out how does he get to the pool of Siloam. I don't know how far the pool of Siloam was, but I don't care. If I just had to get off this stage and I was blind, it would feel like forever. You know? It'd feel like forever. And he finally arrives. And I love what this passage says here. It says, so the man did what? So the man went and he washed and he came home seeing. He went and he washed and he came home seeing. Oh, guys, we need to just stop right there for a moment. Jesus didn't come to tell us answers to the questions of life. He came to be the answer. He came to give directions to find the answer. He came to help guide us in that answer. And the blind man did not know exactly what was going to happen. He had to find the pool of Siloam. He was sent there. He went there. He washed there. And can I give you a practical application here? Right now, right now. We could close it right after this if you wanted to. But here's what God showed me. Brian, here is the, the deal. All of us are beaten up and broken Every one of us had different areas where we are beaten and broken. And sometimes we just don't quite see what God is doing in the midst of our beaten and brokenness. And God may be tugging in your heart and he may be saying, you need to go to church. And you may be saying, no, I don't want to go to church. And he may be saying, hey, you need to maybe go to R3 and get some help there. They could, they could really help you work with some areas that you're kind of caught up in. And you may say, no, I don't want to go there. And you may be going through a divorce and need to go to divorce care. Or you may be going to grief share. Or you may need to go get involved in a life group. But you're afraid of getting involved in a life group. But you know that you're blind and you're groping around in your life trying to figure out how to navigate life in blind 
And Jesus says, when he nudges you and I to go, we need to respond and go. Without knowing the answers to what's going to happen. But not only did he go, what did he do? He washed. He washed. He got to the pool of Siloam and he could have just stood there and said, I arrived. Jesus told me to be here. But no, he said, you know what? Jesus also told me that I need to wash. And in fact, I got this mud in my eyes and I I can't see. But boy, it's really irritating me. And sometimes God just places a little extra on us to get us to that little extra push. To get where we need to go. And he shows up and he starts splashing water on his face. And he washes his face, and he starts blinking his eyes, and he starts could not believe that he could see people at the pool, and he could start seeing what was going on. You see, a lot of us like to come to the pool, like this auditorium. A lot of us like to come and worship at the pool. A lot of us like to hear the songs at the pool. But listen, until we wash, we will never be able to see what God's doing in our lives. What do I mean by that? It was this, let me tell you what God showed me when I was studying this and meditating on this. It kept going over and over in my head. He washed, he went, he washed, and now he sees. He went, he washed, and now he sees. And we, we went on a sabbatical this, this summer, and I, it was a time that we were to, I was to retool and refresh myself and get rest. And I asked God, God, what, what is it that you want to do? And I really felt God was saying, you know, Brian, why don't you, uh, why don't you take some time and focus on Lori and you and Lori work on your marriage? Because ministry can kind of muddle up the marriage a little bit sometimes. And, and uh and so I thought, you know, I think I'm going to do that. And so I know Lori likes Florida. Florida's a good place. So I Googled Florida, restoration, rest, pastors, recovery, blah, blah, blah. Enter. Up pops this site called Care for Pastors. And at the minute I saw that, there was this confirming impression that came from God that said, that's where I want you to go. You need to go to this. So I click on it and I read it some more, making sure, okay, God, I just want to make, I just want to make sure, you know. So I'm making sure, I go home and I tell Lori, hey, you know what, I think what I'd like to do is go to this place called Care for Pastors. They have this place called the Serenity House. We could stay there. We meet with a guy uh, uh, and, uh, for a couple hours, but then the rest of the day, you know, we could do what we want. And, and Lori said, that sounds great. So we went. And we arrived. And then we started washing. We started going to the sessions. Two-hour sessions where all of a sudden, the, gen, the retired pastor counselor would say, tell me your story. Tell me about you guys. Tell me about your ministry. And as he was telling us, we were telling him his, our story and telling him about our ministry, and he started opening up the word and he said, 
Now let's incorporate God's story in your story. And we started digging into the Word. And guys, each day was like a splash of water in my face. As I was reading the Word, all of a sudden, everything that I thought I was pretty cool with, all of a sudden I was now able to start seeing that I had spiritual blind spots as being a husband for my wife. I was taking care of everybody else, but I was not giving her my best. And there were a lot of tears that happened, but I tell you, by the end of that week, I was blind at the beginning, but at the end of the week, boy, I could see. I could see. I could see how I could be a better man. I could see how I could be a better pastor. And most importantly, I could see how I could be a better husband for my wife in the midst of doing ministry. You see, you could come here and you can hear the sermons and you can hear the stories, but listen, it's not just arriving at the pool. It's taking what you get at the pool and you splash it on your face. What is the one truth that that God is speaking to you today that you need to splash on your face so that when you walked in here broken and blind and beaten up, you could walk out of here with hope and sight and being able to know that God is in the midst of that brokenness, in the midst of the blind areas. He goes, the man went, he washed, and now he sees and he shows up at home. He shows up. He goes back to his community. He's going, man, I can see. I can get a job now. I don't have to be a beggar. I can go to worship. I can, I can hang out with everybody else just like everybody else. I don't have to holler, please, uh, money, money, please. No, he, he walks in, and all of a sudden, in the remaining of the verses, it says that his neighbors had started this discussion, and they become cynical about what happened to the man that now sees. That's our second area of blindness, is the blindness of being cynical when something happens in someone's life. And they start saying stuff like this, "Uh, is that the same man who used to sit and beg? Well, I think so. no, I think it's his brother. He looks like a lot like his brother. And back and forth. And the other said, no, he only looks like him. But then in verse 9, he says, the man says, listen, I'm the man. I just want you to know, I, I am him. I am him. And they're going like, no way. You mean you're the guy that was blind? Yes. So then tell us, how did you see? And the blind man says, I, t- I don't know this man. This man that they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes. He told me to go to the pool of Siloam. And so what did he do? He said, I went, I washed, and now I see. You know, when God's word starts repeating a few words over and over again, you may want to spend some time thinking about what he's trying to say to us. It doesn't matter if you just go. But what are you doing while you're there and you showed up? And so they said, where is the man? He said, I don't know. And so they said, okay, fine. 
you once are blind, now you can see. But you know what? We need, to, we, need to, we need to talk to some guys that really know something bigger and beyond what we can know. So let's go to the religious leaders. Let's go to the Pharisees. So they bring the man to the Pharisees because they're the ones that know, right? They're the ones that know when it's something big and supernatural. They'll be able to define this. And it says in verses 13 through 18, the Pharisees look and he's born blind and and they, they look at it and they say, the Pharisees ask the same question. If you were blind, how do you now see? And the man said, what? What did he say? Help me. He put mud on my eyes. He told me to go to the pool. I washed. And now I see. And they said, when was this? And he says, it was on the Sabbath. Well, that can't be. Because if that happened on the Sabbath, this obviously was not a man of God. He must have sinned. And the blind spot of traditionalism got in the way of being able to embrace the powerful work of God in this man's life. And you may say, what what do you mean traditionalism? Well, Sabbath was a day of rest. But what the Pharisees did is they added about 600 rules about what you could do on the day of rest. Such as, you could only watch Packers football on the day of rest. No, not really. But, uh, you know, all kinds of rules. You can only walk so far. You can only do this so much and so forth. And so they added all these rules. You know, my parents used to say, you dress your best when you go to church. Is that the best you have in the closet? No. Then you get your best because how you dress determines your heart. So we put on our best. And I would look pretty good on the outside, but inside I was the worst little guy inside. No matter what I looked on the outside did not determine my heart on the inside. My mom used to say this, cleanliness is next to godliness. Brian, cleanliness is next to godliness. Look at your room. Sorry, Jesus. adding all these things. So I decided today that I would do something that I have never done preaching before. I decided I'd put on jeans with holes in them. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for your support. I'm telling you, it was uncomfortable. That's why I only did one hole. I don't know how you guys do this with all these rips along here because when you put your foot in that leg, it's going to come out wherever those holes are, I'm just telling you. You got you to have like your toes bent, bent down a certain way and move it around. That's too much work for me. But here's the deal, guys. The blind spot of traditionalism can get in the way of you seeing the blessing of God in the midst of your brokenness in the midst of being beaten up, that you think God could only function in these certain ways, in these certain rules, and these certain requirements that man has put on it. Let me tell you, that didn't satisfy 
the Pharisees. In fact, there was a lot of arguments that happened. They were divided. Well, he was a sinner. Well, he can't be a sinner because now he is blind. And so there's division happened. You know, when, when you add something to the worship of God, when you add something to the service of God and it's of not of God, it's going to create division. It's going to create turmoil toward one another. And it happened. And so finally they said, you know what? In verse 19 they said, they still did not believe that he had even been blind. And so they said, you know what? We're going to go the next level. Get mom and dad. Mom and dad, come here. So mom and dad come. And we have the blindness of cynicism. We have the blindness of traditionalism. And now mom and dad come. And mom and dad are asked the question, is this your son? Yes, it's our son. Could you tell us the condition that this son was born in? I mean, they're being interrogated, okay? Well, he was born blind. Well, then, could you explain to me, if he was born blind, and he's how old? He's 20-some years of age, give or take. How can he see now? And they say, but they answer, he is our son. He was born blind. But how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we do not know. And then they pass the buck. Because in verse 21, he says to, they say to the Pharisees, ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. Why? I mean, wouldn't you as a parent go like, are you kidding me? My son can see now? Rock on, son, let's go. But they, they have this blind spot of the fear of their peers. Fear of their peers, because if you read on, it says in this passage here that these parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish authorities and leaders because they had decided not too long before when Jesus had claimed that he was the great I am, in the end of chapter 8, Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am, which basically was Jesus was saying, I am God, before Abraham was even born. And that really caused a stir. And all of a sudden, the Pharisees start picking up stones. We're ready to stone Jesus for being blasphemous, and we're ready to, to kill him because he was blaspheming God, and, and Jesus escaped. And so the, a rule was stated that anybody who was ever going to follow this guy named Jesus was going to be excommunicated from the synagogue and from the community. And so mom and dad, all of a sudden because of fear of their peers and, and not willing to rejoice in, the, in the seeing God do a mighty handy work in their son's life, said, we're not stepping into that. I'm just going to play it safe. I'm just going to do what everybody else is saying. You ask him. You know, I wonder, when you see God at work, when, you, when you're moved in, in, your, in your bones that you want to praise God, when you're stirred inside, when you're here worshiping, and, and, and God and the Spirit of God at that moment gets a hold of you, and you want to express yourself, but you kind of go like, Praise Jesus. I wonder how many times the fear of the peers restricts you from being able to fully worship and, and love and celebrate the presence of God in your life. What keeps you from, from shouting and hollering and, you know, like I get up here and say, let's give God a standing voice and a praise. 
Okay, yeah. Not a golf clap. Yay. A touchdown clap. A celebration of God. Well, we must move on because they're not done yet. Second time, the Pharisees bring the young man in. I mean, this is, this is the day that was his best day of his life, right? And he's being interrogated one after another. What's going on? How can you see? How come? Why? What's going on? And, and then the Pharisees summon him again, and they use, they use this. They use the expectation, conforming to the expectation of their conclusion of what he should say. Have you ever had anybody tell you that? Oh, I wouldn't, you know, you maybe not want to say it that way because that might create a stir. So maybe if you said it this way, it would be better. And so they come to this man and it says, they tell him, give glory to God by telling the truth. I kind of like the good man, good cop, bad cop, okay? It's kind of like, okay, I know we've been kind of hard on you, so I'm going to take a little softer approach. If you would give God glory and tell the truth, then it'll be all done. And then they follow, the next guy follows it up with this. And by the way, we know. We know we have facts that this man is a sinner. <laughs> and, and they said, I love the man's reply. The man's reply is, listen, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But I'm going to tell you what I do know. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was blind, but now I see. And they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? They wanted to know more. It wasn't that they were going to accept the fact that God was present and healed him and did a miracle. They wanted to know the how and the what. And finally he said to them, I have told you already. I don't know how many times. He put mud on my eyes. He told me to go to the pool of Siloam. I went, I washed, and now I see. You must really want to be one of his disciples as well. That's what he says here, which really stirred them up. And then he says this. The man answered, now that this is remarkable, you don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. In verse 30, verse 31, we know that God does not listen to sinners, he says. He listens to the godly person who does his will. He's telling the Pharisees this. He's telling the men of the law that know God, so to speak, this. And he says, nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Drop the mic. He was done. But what, look what happens here. To this they replied, you are steeped in deep sin from birth. How dare you lecture us? How dare you lecture us and they threw him out of the synagogue. Now listen, this man had just been born blind. Now he sees. There have been all kinds of conclusions about him. There's been cynical comments about him. 
There's been accusations of traditional phrases about him. There's the fear of the peers. Mom and dad didn't even receive him. His world is getting smaller. And where he should have been received and welcomed with grace in the synagogue of God's people, they now kicked him out and he's all alone. And in verse 35, it says, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And then the next phrase, I love it, and I underlined it. And when he found him. Listen. There may be times that you're going to be all alone. There are going to be times that maybe people are going to say things about you. They're going to question your spiritual journey. They're going to question you uh, and, and what God's doing in your life. And you may be feeling very, 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 very alone. But I'm telling you, if you're, if you're following Jesus and Jesus is leading you, he's going to come and find you and he's going to sit with you and he's going to come to you and he's going to say to you, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he says, yes, I've heard about him. I'd like to know who he is. And Jesus said, ta-da! I'm here right before you. And the man worships Jesus. A double blessing. Not only could he see with his physical eyes and now his heart is filled with the love and the presence of Jesus himself so let's wrap this up I love this story I love this story because it's so simple yet so complex because we all have those moments when people are going to be cynical about our faith we all have those moments that people are going to question why we're doing what we're doing. But yet, if we're following God, and if you're allowing to follow God, God says, go, you went, and you washed, and you see what God has wanted to do in your life, stay there, okay? Stay there. Because Jesus will meet you right there as well. He's going to meet you in your brokenness. He's going to meet you in your beaten up places. But you know what? Honestly, as I studied this, I said to myself, you know, Brian, I've been in every one of those situations. I've been in every one of those blind spot situations. I've come up with conclusions about someone that I should never come up with. I've been cynical, saying, oh, I wonder how long that's going to last when someone's made a decision of changing their life for God. I've been the traditionalist saying, oh, I can't, be, can't possibly be that God would work that way because it's not in the box that I built that I expect God to work in. I've also been the one that's been functioning out of the fear of the peers, wondering how people are going to receive. I, all night and last night, I was scared of all of you. Scared of all of you because I, I want to be able to preach the word, but then I'm always thinking... Oh, I know I go too long and I know I do this and you know and I go all these questions and God finally said to me Brian this has happened so that the works of God might be displayed through you give it a rest quit thinking about yourself let me do my work through you and that's what we have to do in our brokenness in our woundedness in our hurts broken, beaten, but you can find the blessing of God in the middle of that. When he says go, 
you go. When he says wash, you wash. When all of a sudden the Spirit tugs on you a truth that you need to work in your life, you just start splashing that on your face. God, keep splashing it on my face. I, I got I to gotta see. I got to be able to see what you want me to see. I'm so blind about seeing this in my life. I, I just need to see it. The truth be told, the many of us walk into this service. We walk into church every day. We show up at the pool. But very seldom do we splash what we've heard on our face and see the work of God, of what he wants to do in our life. Because we go right back home and we go back into our same old pattern. And we start groping and looking for answers to life that Jesus said, if you just splashed it on your face, hello, I'm here. I'm here. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you, Jesus. That you don't just see our brokenness and our beaten up places, but you also see. You see, most importantly, you see us as a person. And Lord, I pray that each and every one here today, I know that they've, everybody has something. I know. Because we live in a broken world. But Jesus, you said that this has happened so that the works of God would be in display in our life. God, help us to see that. Where you nudge us, we will go. And where you show us the truth of your word, we will splash it on our face. And we will allow the blindness to be washed away so that we could see the mighty display of the work of God in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our beaten up lives. In Christ's name we pray, amen.